Hello everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we try and answer once and for all, what is the best comic book adaptation? Yes, be it movie or TV show, we'll watch it and rank it until one stands out as the definitive numero uno. And who's we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and as per usual, I'm joined by my co-hosts Mick. Hello. And Rob. Hello. So, how are we all doing today? It's been a sad and lonely week. And then they closed the pubs. <laughs> I went shopping in town earlier, and it was surprisingly deserted. Um, shelves were empty. It's a bizarre period of time that we're in right now. Well, the, the weird thing is, right, my missus was out of work for a while, and so she spent the last sort of two and a half, three months sitting at home, on the sofa, watching telly, and then last week, she got a job in retail and found out this week that she's a key worker and he's now running around going, not all heroes wear capes, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> <She's>... Anyway, <laughs> do you know what I need you both to do now? What's what do we need to do now? You need to unlock your brain malls, drag those emotions out and bury them in the woods because we've got a Netflix series to talk about. Hey, we're going to talk about Latch and Opener. Ah, yes, the, the six-part adaptation of the graphic novels. Yes, written by that kid of Stephen, Hill, uh, Stephen King. None of those things, but behold, lock and key. Yes. So, before we dive into the TV series, I think we should probably touch briefly on the comics. Maybe not so much as we're probably going to do in future episodes, because this is kind of more of a direct one-to-one adaptation of a single story than say I don't like an Avengers film where it's tying in vague concepts from across decades. Yeah. So uh Lock and Key is a horror comic written by Joe Hill with art by Gabriel Rodriguez for IDW. And Rob, I think you were the one who kind of discovered it first out of us, weren't you? Yes I was. I was the one who recommended it to you and you fell in love with it. Some of the reasons why I thought it was the ideal comic for you, Andrew. Number one, the town is called Lovecraft, Massachusetts. And you're a big fan of Cthulhu Mythos and stuff like that. Not Lovecraft as a person, but more the yes. stuff he wrote. Yes, exactly. I am a fan of the writing of H.P. Lovecraft. Large asterisk. Screw that guy. I'm glad he's dead. Yeah. Number two, it's bizarre and twisted and gruesome and weird and I love the majority of the comic. In fact, 99.9% of Lock and Key, I absolutely adore. And I thought, if it's hitting me in all the right horror places, it's definitely going to hit Andrew in all the right horror places. And then you went out and bought, like, the hardback set. Or you got a- I did, literally just off the pitch. I was like, oh, my God, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. I'm going to buy it, like, all yes. three or four. Yeah, yeah, I think it's three. Just massive hardback volumes of it. Yeah. And I love it. Yep. There was some interesting interesting changes that Netflix, or the Netflix series made, um, but uh, Lock and Key is one, of those, is one of those stories where you can tell, this is why I made a reference to Stephen King, because Joe Hill is Stephen King's kid, and it's like the horror blood oh, runs through the family. I did not know that. You didn't know that? No. Joe Hill, Stephen's ki- Stephen King's kid. Uh, it's like horror blood runs in the family. Well, there you go. 
say what you like about Stephen King's writing. Some of it's boring, some of it's dull, but some of it was truly unique and original. Some of it's about an angry card that kills people. And no one thinks, just just hide somewhere where the car can't get through the door. Yeah, and some of it's Go about... Go up a flight of steps. <laughs> some of it's about Kathy Bates smashing people's ankles. Yeah, it's a, it's a varied... Yeah. Like, body of work. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, we don't talk about the Dark Tower. Yeah. Anyway, Mick, would you like to tell us about your journey with Lock and Key? And if you could keep it under, like, you know, 10 minutes or so? Okay. Uh, right, so my journey with Lock and Key is I heard that there was a comic series called Lock and Key and then Netflix announced that there was a TV version and I thought it'd be quicker to watch than to read and it turns out I was wrong. Indeed, indeed you were. <laughs> so with that, with that ominous portent, shall we move on to the show itself? Yeah. Excellent. So uh, just before we start this discussion, I will say at the top, finally for once remembering to do this, we will be doing full spoilers for season one of Lock and Key. So, I, I guess let's start at the start, shall we? So, episode one, basically this starts with basically the same basic premise of the as the comic. We meet the Lock family consisting of Mum Nina and her children, Tyler, Kinsey and Bodie, who, my God, the years of just reading B-O-D-E and going, Bode? Who calls their kid Bode? But Bodie has an I in it, or a Y at the end. I'm in the same boat as you, Andrew. I was pronouncing it Bode, and then I went onto the wiki and saw it was pronounced Bodie, and I was thinking, that's not right. That's not how you spell Bodie. I know how you spell Bodie, because I saw how they spelled Bodie in CI5, the professionals from years ago, with Bodie and Doyle. Yeah. I've, I've, I've just got this image now of Joe Hill. It's okay, listeners, I don't get the reference either. I, I, just, uh, I just find myself imagining Joe Hill being banned from the set, but screaming silently into a telephone linked to the director going, It's bold! It's bold! It's f***ing bold! <laughs> 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 so anyway, the Locke family uh, have to move from Seattle to Massachusetts after Vendel, their kind of dad slash, well, oh, no, Nina's husband and the children's father. Saying dad slash husband has very different connotations. <laughs> and 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 two hundred two thousand and nineteen Keanu Reeves lookalike finalist. <laughs> he does. Basically, Poundland Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah. Basically, we're doing lock and key. Can we get Keanu Reeves to play the dad? No. Shit. Let's cast this guy then. Okay. I'll just look up what his name is because I feel better. <laughs> uh, it would be hilarious. His name is Bill Heck. Sorry? Bill Heck. His name's Bill Heck. Yeah. Yes. Actually, uh, I believe his name's Bill Hell, but it was for a TV family audience, so... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Rendell is murdered by one of his former students, and so the, uh, the rest of the family moved to the Key House in Matheson, Massachusetts. Which is named after Joe Hill's other favourite author... What's his name? Um, Richard Matheson. Richard Matheson, that's it. I am legend. Yeah. Yeah, which 
I mean, I guess it does sound more like an actual place name, doesn't it? Yeah. It does, it's not really got much pizzazz to it, to it, does it? Well, I think I was looking at the actual production side of things, and it's not actually filmed in Massachusetts. It's filmed in Nova Scotia. Yes. That's... Boy. Well, if you are only just finding out that sometimes TV shows say a place is a place, but it's not actually that place. Oof, you are... Call, call me when you found out about green screen, Bob, because your, your mind is going to be blown. Isn't it a screen that's green? I don't get how this newfangled technology works. Yeah, we, we, we noticed that in the setup for the show. Anyway, the family arrive at Key House, and Bodhi begins to discover that Key House has a secret in the form of magical keys that grant superpowers. I mean, you'd think it wouldn't be that su- much of a surprise that a house called the key house had a secret involving keys would you yeah do you think do you think it's one of those things where it's like if you want to hide a grain of sand you put it on a beach yeah it could be could be yeah also also no one no one previously appears to have made the connection between the family surname and the ancestral home well yeah i mean literally i mean obviously like nina's married into the family yeah the kids have grown up being called Locke, right? And not one of them notices that they're the Locke family moving into the key house. Not one of them comments on it. Ah, uh, yeah, but I feel, I feel like if someone had, I would have just picked up my TV and thrown it out a window. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it would have just been the worst, oh, ho, ho, mugging to camera. I suppose calling it the key house, there's that other version of key and with it being kind of coastal, you know, the the whole key spelt Q-U-A-Y. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, but it's key a different... house is also on a key, yeah. is, is an important yeah. point. It's a different uh, spelling of lock as well. So, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a verbal, but it's a verbal connection rather than a, like, written connection. I know, but it's quite often people don't see what's right in front of them, do they? Because if you've seen it written a different way, you wouldn't immediately make that association. Well, anyway, that's by the by. Yeah. Yep. So uh, Bodhi, he starts finding these keys. I think in the first, the first one he finds in this is the anywhere key, isn't it? Yep. That's Which, right. That's your best, like open a door to anywhere specifically where you've been before. And so he's he's having a jolly old time running around playing with his magic keys, when he also finds. Yeah, the well house behind the main building and living inside that well is a woman who calls herself Dodge, who at first, you know, just your average nice friendly lady who happens to live at the bottom of your well. But we soon find out she's maybe got something more sinister going on. Indeed. As as she uh, traps Nina in a weird kind of alternate mirror realm and then tricks Bodhi into giving her the anywhere key so she can escape. That was the one part of Lock and Key that I understood uh, from the graphic novel and from the series that I understood why it was done that way, but it kind of it kind of annoys me a little bit. Yeah, well, it's, it's actually a thing. I'm going to put a pin in for now what we're going to circle back to Yeah. in a little bit. Yeah. Because I think it's something that creates a really big problem that the first half of the series well, at least the first half of the series struggles mm. from a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but this episode itself I thought was, uh, was pretty solid. Yeah. 
it's like a little bit slow in places, but it had some cool moments. Really liked the um, the introduction of the mirror key because that's not one that's in the comic book. Yes, um, I'll talk more about some of the other keys because uh, there is a big key that I want to men- uh, that we'll probably mention. In fact, we have to mention. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I like the fact that the Netflix series has started deviating so early from the source material, and they're actually putting their own spin on things. I just hope it doesn't end up like Game of Thrones. Anyway, speaking of bad TV, episodes two to six of Lock and Key. Yeah. Yeah. Because, oh I, my God, they're so slow. I mean, they, they they could have almost been a sort of like separate mini-series called Assembling the Scooby Gang. Yes. Oh, and there's a bit of plot advancement, but not really enough to fill up an entire episode. I think part of the problem was there's a certain pacing of the story in the graphic novel, and when you're reading it, and then you go and watch the TV series, you think, okay, they've they've clearly tried to stretch this out for an entire series when they could have done this in just a few episodes. It, yeah, it could have been a it could have been a really tight sort of six part series. Yeah, 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 definitely. But then instead, you get just this big stretch of episodes, but they've kind of they've all got kind of the same rhythm to them. Of like, Bodhi finds a key, and then they go, "Oh, that that's a cool key." Anyway, off to school for some like very tepid teen romance drama. Yeah, I didn't understand that. And then Dodge shows up and goes, I'm, "I'm sure gonna do something in a few episodes' time." So just just you watch out, Lock Children. Ooh, spooky. Do you know who who, who that character reminded me of? Reminded me. A little bit of the Wicked Witch from The Wizard of Oz, but mainly of Grotbags. Mick will uh, understand the reference. Uh, from... I don't know, but see, who I was going to say is Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. Yeah, I don't remember Grotbags ever looking like that, though. Yeah, I know, but I was going to say Grotbags and uh, What's-His-Face from the Smurfs. You know, the one who's always trying to catch the Smurfs and eat them. Oh, Gargamel. Yeah, Gargamel. Yeah, yeah, basically she's like a Saturday morning cartoon villain (laughs) who shows up for five minutes, gets thwarted, (laughs) and then just has some vague, like, I'll get you next time. But Dr. Claw is all, yeah, absolutely Dr. Claw. I didn't think of that one. (laughs) Because he does say it every time, I'll get you next time, Gadget, doesn't he? Yep. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, going back to what you were saying, Rob, yeah, I think there's very much a problem where they've clearly taken something that is like works as a single issue of a comic series. Yeah. But then needs to be kind of worked into like an hour-long episode and just doesn't fit in that well. No. And I think for me, like, one of the best examples of that is the uh, the ghost key. Yes. Yes. Where, like, Bodhi finds the key, unlocks the door, walks through it, finds he's been turned into a ghost. And then he just, like, flies about a bit, has a chat with his, like, great-great-great-granddad and then goes back to his body, and things just kind of shuffle on. Yeah. And it's just, there's so many scenes like that where they just feel like they're awkwardly stumbling through things. Yeah. I think Netflix has been guilty of this uh, a few times, where they've started off with a really good episode, and the next few episodes have just been tepid, bland affairs that haven't really done much to inspire any confidence in the future. Yeah, well, I think it's like the specific idea of the Netflix drag, where everything needs to be, like, 
10 or 13 hour long episodes. Yeah. yeah. And well, so you just get lots and lots of filler. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the teen romance stuff, I was like, oh, please. Yeah, I, th- I think there's enough shows on Netflix that explore those themes. Yeah. Yeah, well, even it, it's not necessarily the fact that it's there, but it's also the fact that that seems to take up so much of the time and it's like the least interesting bit. See, the thing yeah. is... The... Like, like, like Tyler's story goes from being I blame myself for my own father's death to, oh gosh, I hope this cute girl likes me. Yeah, I agree with you, Andrew, about uh, Tyler's sudden change. I mean, it, it was less of a progression and more of a 180 flip that happened in, over the course of like five minutes in an episode. Yeah, it's, it's almost comedic how quickly he just gets distracted by, ooh, pretty girl. Yeah, Kensley, though, goes from, oh, uh, <laughs> no, I don't want any relationship to, hey, I'll date every guy. I, so, so something I've been thinking about while I was making the notes. Is Kinsey, like, just a bad person? Yes. Because, so, so, like, her big character arc is one of the keys they find. It's called the head key, and it, like, basically lets you go into your own mind and, like, see your own memories. And she works out, she can basically, like, grab the embodiment of her fear and then, like, bury that in the woods. And at first it's kind of like, okay, she's got rid of her fear. Now she's, you know, not afraid to go out with this guy that she likes, who has the same name as one of the characters in Lock and Key, but is not that character in the slightest. Yep. But then it's like, because she doesn't have any fear, she doesn't mind also starting to go out with another guy and it feels like the implication is the only thing like stopping her from having an affair is not like oh i don't want to hurt my boyfriend's feelings or like any kind of no i should be mature about this relationship it's like the fear that she would get caught it's one of those things that often gets misunderstood Failure, pain, fear, those sorts of things often get misunderstood as bad things when they're actually a lot more, uh, they're a lot more to do with um, survival and fitting into society than. Well, no, well else. to be fair, I feel like that is a big point in the comic Lock and Key. Yeah. Is that like that's the eventual end point of Kinsey's arc as a realizing, oh, wait, no, being not afraid of anything is actually really dangerous and dumb. I need to put that fear back in my head. Yeah, and that was the thing. I think that was presented so much better in the comics. Yeah, I feel like the implication is she is only not a horrible person all the time because she's too afraid to be. And that maybe still makes you a bad person. Yeah. But I, I I think what they've rather clumsily done is they've tried to explore how much of life we miss because of our fear and really miss the mark with how they've explored that. Yeah, a little bit. If they, that's what they were trying to explore, instead of slavishly sticking to the comic. Um, yeah, because I feel like it's kind of sort of adapting a thing in the comic. So in the show, she's dating a guy called Scott. Hmm. One take. Who, one T, who in the comic, he is more like the friend who has a crush on her 
but she doesn't necessarily like him back. Yeah. And actually, she quite likes his best friend. Yeah. And so in the comic, it's more like Kinsey isn't afraid to just say, no, I'm sorry, I like him and not you. And that's what causes, like, a bit of a falling out in the friendship. Yeah. But in the uh, show, doesn't she literally say to both of them, why can't I date you both? Yeah. Yeah, she does. Yeah, which I get... I, I just get the... I, understand that maybe the writers of the show do not understand what fear is because also Kinsey seems to be quite afraid in some scenes as well yeah uh, especially especially when her fear appears in the real world it makes you wonder how she can be fearful of her own fear when she's removed it from her own head yeah uh, the I'll be honest when her fear appears in the real world it kind of reminded me of you remember the wraith from Stargate uh, Atlantis yeah it reminded me of that. <laughs> I mean, Joy reminded me of... What's that? It reminded me of the actress Amelia Jones, who plays Kinsey Locke, in some fairly unconvincing old lady makeup. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there like a that. very bad white wig. <laughs> the Wraith from Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> like, I've got to admit, having, having that character appear in broad daylight in one scene... Was, was not a good choice. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh, we've got to talk about Dodge, though. We do. And that brings up the... I, I mean, there were two keys that were kind of combined into one key for the TV show, which I, I understood. the It was the gender key, and I've forgotten the name of the other one, became the identity key, didn't it? See, I, see, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even sure there was, like, a, a shape-shifting key... In the original one. I don't think there was. Because uh, there was the gender key and uh, another key. Um, that... Yeah, so... Um, actually, you know what? We'll, we'll pull it back a bit. We'll, we'll get to that bit. Okay, okay. So, first of all, I think probably the first thing we need to establish is, like, Dodge. She gets free of the well. Um, she kind of runs off, does her own thing for a little bit. Then she comes back, um, basically wanting to get some more keys as some as yet unknown evil plan. And so I think, I think the first big misstep is it takes a while to establish the fact that Dodge can't just take the keys from the Locke family. Yeah. Like the idea is they basically have, you know, like mastery over the keys. And because Dodge is some kind of ghost made by one of the keys, she can't just flat out take them. Which, again, that, that is something that should have maybe been established right from the get-go. Because that, that's why initially a lot of this, oh, I'll get you next time gadget stuff, doesn't really seem to make sense. Yeah, because the show presents Dodge as being a demon from another world. Yeah, exactly. Like, it goes for that first, and then you just right. stuck like a few episodes thinking, she's so powerful, why is she not doing anything? Yeah. Except well, for like, eating donuts. I mean, to be fair, the way I read it was that she was basically engineering situations that would put the lock kids in a situation where they would offer the keys to get rid of them rather than her not be able to take them. Because that's the rule, isn't it? They have to give them freely to her. Yeah, but I mean, but then there's also a thing in, like, I think episode two, where she just, like, walks through one of the doors, grabs Buddy, and goes, give me the key. And he's like, nah. 
and then she just goes, and like puts a bear in a bear trap. Yep. But yeah, I think if the show had been a bit more hands-on with like Dodge is trying to architect all these elaborate schemes to get the keys off them, I think that would have been a bit more driving force. But I think the inherent, inherent problem is, so jumping ahead to episode seven, um, Sam Lesser, the guy who killed Rendell Locke, he comes back and holds the, uh, the Locke family hostage. And in the comics, that's like the end of the first arc. And that's when Bodie lets uh, Dodge out of the well because she offers to help get rid of Sam. And I feel like the problem is, despite changing some things, the show still wants to keep that like overall narrative of the comics. Yeah. So it's very much uh, like we can't have... We have to have Dodge in sort of the same place as she is in issue six of the comics in episode seven of the show. And that means like she can't actually do anything. Yeah. Now, the second problem, as you mentioned, Rob, is the identity key. Yep. I'm trying to remember what the other key was that... Because uh, I, I, the thing that made me think it was a combination, because the identity key isn't in the comics. Yes, in the comics, it is just the gender key, which is actually wrong. It's actually a biological sex key, but whatever. <laughs> and basically, kind of one of the big first reveals in the comic is that Dodge uses that to transform into Lucas, Rendell's best friend from high school. Dun, dun, dun. And it's literally, it's just a, you can use that key to be like, this is what I would look like if I was biologically a man. This is what I would look like if I'm biologically a woman. Was it the skin key or something like that? I don't, again, I don't remember there being just a flat out shape-shifting key. There wasn't, not in the comics. Um, I'm trying to remember. Like, I think there was a key that turned you into a bird. Yeah, um, because the skin key, I think, changed your race or something like that. Oh, actually, yes, that's right. There, w- there was a key that changed your race. But this one is just a flat out, it's a shape-shifting key. You can use it to look like anyone. Yeah. Like, why is Dodge doing anything then? See, Why that's... is she not just like, okay, identity key, blomp, I look like Nina Locke now. Hi, Bodie, it is I, your mother. Give me that key. Yes, that's my point. As soon as she gets the identity key, that's all she needs to do. Uh. Yeah, and it's like, it's another one of those things where in the comics it works because Dodge only has like a small number of very specific keys. Yeah. So they have to like concoct all these elaborate schemes based around that. In the show, she can do basically anything. Yeah. There was an old horror movie called The First Power. It was all about the coming of the devil and stuff like that. But I remember the trailer for it. It was like, the first power was he can be anywhere. The second power was he can be anyone. And as soon as Dodge gets the identity, like she can literally be, or it can literally be anyone. That's like... You know, that's massively powerful. Yeah. Also, it is kind of ambiguous as to what Prodan's dodge has. Yeah. Because it is a thing that sometimes they look like a woman, 
sometimes they look like a man. You're not really sure which one is their true form. And the answer is probably neither, because they are actually also a demon from like some kind of eldritch dimension. Yeah, but she's having an interspecies menage a trois with uh, Kinsey and Tyler. Yeah. Isn't it a bit weird that like she has sex with Tyler and that's just never brought up again? Yes. That is a bit weird. <laughs> I mean, Tyler never brings it up, and let's face it, you know, if you're if you're a sort of high school teenage boy. <laughs> and you and you manage. Is he a high school teenage boy though, or is he a thirty-year-old? Well, there is that. I mean, he goes to school, doesn't Hang he? On. Is 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 he is he like the male version of Melissa John Hart? <laughs> Could well be. I mean, he's basically the male version of like any teen, like early two thousands drama. Yes. Well, the, the 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 thing is, if if you were of School-going age, <laughs> right? And you had managed to score with Dodge. Let's face it, you will be bragging about that for weeks. Yeah. But no, no. <laughs> That's the thing. There's so many bits in this where uh, I'm just kind of... Also, is maybe Tyler a bad person? Because he has a whole thing where he's like... Oh, Jackie, my girlfriend. I'm I'm sorry. I've been so mean and distant to you recently. Let's try again. Also, by the way, I slept with someone who's actually maybe a demon, but I'm not going to mention that to you. Shh. Yes, he is a bad person. <laughs> Let's put it this way: there are some very, very questionable choices. Let's say as to how they've shown things. I mean, Kinsey saying, "Why can't I date you both?" That's questionable. Tyler, you know, sleeping around again, questionable. Um, but and then having Dodge date both brother and sister. I mean, it means I guess Dodge is supposed to be the villain. Yeah, Dodge is supposed to be the villain, and you know, using the identity, switching from one one version of Dodge to. Sorry, the female version of Dodge to the male version of Dodge, and then back again. I mean, that was a pretty cool shot when uh, the male version of Dodge is walking up the stairs, and you know, by the next step, it's the female version. That yeah, yeah. Well, it's, really it's cool. like there's two different male versions now. Yeah, because Dodge is like Lucas, but then is also impersonating like Gabe, who is a member of this new Scooby Gang, as I'm going to call them. Yeah, and I've. The thing for me, the, the, the fundamental reason why Lock and Key didn't work as well as it should is because you end up at the end of the season where the most interesting character in it is Dodge, and she's in it for the least amount of screen time. Yes. I know. Uh, this is... Um, so unfortunately, all the bits that could potentially make the other characters, the, the members of the Lock family interesting, don't last long enough, or... Are contradicted a couple of episodes later. Which, I mean, Nina Nina descends back into alcoholism. Yeah. For about an hour. Yep. Yeah, which is insane because that's that's like <laughs> her entire story arc in the comics. Yeah. Is getting over alcoholism. Yep. And it, it, you know, there's always this thing that you hear from recovering alcoholics that they are always recovering alcoholics, but she has amassed a hell of a stash. For someone who's supposed to have gone through this whole thing back in Seattle. Oh, no, no. Also, for someone who's literally just moved into the house. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. To be fair, they do explain that. Like, it's just the one bottle of gin she has because she gets given that as a housewarming present. Just the one bottle that's hidden in various places. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I'm sure there's at least two scenes where she pulls it down the sink. Uh, or maybe, I, 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 maybe, maybe she goes onto the paint thinners or something. I need to check. Is there a replication key? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I so want that key. Actually, I guess that would be kind of cool. Like, because there's like that cupboard thing that fixes stuff. Yeah. So people like just put like an empty gin bottle in there to turn and it just fills it back up again. Yep. I, oh, actually. Actually, if that if that's the cupboard that fixes things, maybe what the writers ought to do is put the plot in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you remember how like a good solid chunk of this series is about um, Dodge trying to get the Crown of Shadows so she can summon an army of shadow demons? Yeah, and then she uses that for about five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was disappointing at best. Again, it's another thing where I feel like this is a quite handy tool that you should maybe use more. Yeah, I know. Uh... And I think this, this again, is the fundamental problem with that sort of back four episode. They were the ones that needed expanding. Yeah, I mean, this yeah, because is... that's when literally half the plot of Lock and Key, the comic series, happens <laughs> yeah. over the course of an episode. Yeah, but this is what brings me back to um, the point about Bori that I was that I was making at the very big, uh, you know, uh, earlier on. Well, our old mate Bod. Yeah, Bod, Bori, whatever you want to call him. Um, he's a, a Bod with me. It, it's it's a common <laughs> thing that always annoys me, right? Um, with a lot of stories, and I can understand why Joe Hill put it into Lock and Key. Uh, in the in the comics, you know, it works, but. When I see it on screen and when I see, you know, a kid running around, looking at the world, going, are you my echo? And being all innocent and sweet and twee, I just want to get them and I just want to say, no, no, no. If somebody answers you in a well, that's creepy as hell. You don't go near it. Okay. Okay. In Bodhi's defense, his role models in this are terrible because they are also just profoundly dense. Yes. Can we talk about the final episode? Yes, please, the final let's, episode please. Where, where they think they've defeated Dodge, and they're like, okay, we've got Dodge, she's unconscious. Now, we know we can destroy her by like putting her back in the wellhouse, but oh no, we don't have the wellhouse key. And as Bodhi points out, all he would have to do is go to their friend Ellie's house get the key and bring it back. But they're like, nope. Nope, that's going to take too long. What we've got to do is we've got to go down into the sea caves, open the spooky door to the other realm, full of evil demon monsters, the thing that Dodge is specifically trying to do, and we're going to do that. Yes, because... The well house is still a well. Just push her down the well. Yeah. Um, Dodge has the powers of being a normal human woman. Yeah. If you chuck her down a well, she can't get back out. My point exactly. I, I, I thank you, Andrew, for so eloquently making the point I, I was about to make about the final episode. Because the time it takes for 
ability to go over to Ali's house to get the key is shorter than the time it takes them to actually go to the sea cave, open the door, then struggle to close the door after they've chucked in who they think is Dodge. Yeah, but spoiler alert, is actually Ali. Yeah. Which, I mean, that just felt a bit mean-spirited, to be honest. Yeah. I was like, and in general, I'm, I'm not usually the kind of guy who's like, oh, why did X character do this? They should have done that instead. Because I think, you know, sometimes characters don't always make, like, purely logical choices. But just the level of profound dumbness you have to be for this plan to work. Yep. And also the level of profound dumbness you have to be to be Dodge to make this plan, which relies on so many elements of chance to pull off. When you already have, like, the identity key. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, this is what I mean, is there's a point... Well, like, so Dodge wants them to use, like, the Omega key to open the door to her home dimension. And there's a point where it's like, okay, they've done that. They've won. Why are you, like, still pretending to be game? Yeah, I know. This, this is the point when you pull out the crown of shadows and go, okay, spooky shadow demons, push them all through the door. Yes, yes. Because you don't done the thing you've won the plan you don't need to like go any further with this i mean here's the thing right they 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 kind of already know that there's a risk of opening the omega door right that demons can come out and possess people it's inferred i suppose yeah okay okay but rob here's the thing if demons do start firing at you super fast like bullets like they know we do what if you just try and not get hit? That's it. That's that's their master plan. Oh, but didn't you know, if you don't get hit and they just land on the floor, they turn into whispering iron and, yeah, we can make keys out of them. It's actually a good thing that they didn't have Benjamin Locke anywhere in this as a ghost or anything, right? Because I think he'd look at the lot of them and go, you can't be my descendants. My descendants should have far more common sense. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's like, I just don't understand how even as a fictional character you can have that. It's such a jump of just zero common sense. Yeah. Which, again, uh, okay, yeah, bodies, role models aren't that great, but I mean, any normal child, any normal child, and they can be from a broken home or from a dysfunctional family or whatever, but any normal child of body's age, if somebody answered them or when they spoke into a well, the first thing they'd do is go, that's some weird shit going on down there. I'm not going anywhere near that. Mum, there's a voice in the well. Yeah, and I'd like to point out, Lock and Key, the comic series, that's exactly what happens. Exactly. <laughs> Just throw in the well! <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how many movie protagonists, like, their problems would be solved if they just had access to a large hole? Yeah. And you do! You have a big hole you can push your bad, bad guy into! Exactly! So, so, so shall, shall we use the time that we've got, because of virus-based sort of restrictions, shall we use the time that we've got to set up our own production company, Common Sense Television, buy the rights to loads of comic books, and produce... Two episode adaptations of like, I don't know, Secret Wars. 
<laughs> yes. And literally every episode just ends with, and then they push Doctor Who, Doctor Doom into a big hole. Do yeah. you know, it, it, it's going to be like some weird Elseworlds version of Be Kind Rewind, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> our, our adaptation of Lock and Key. Mom, there's a voice in the well. Right, we're moving back to Seattle. Exactly. <laughs> that would literally be it. Pack the vodka, kids. We're going back to Seattle. <laughs> Game of Thrones. We'll adapt Game of Thrones. <laughs> the Mother of Dragons wants to take over. I'll let her. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> we need dragons to fight those things across the wall anyway. <laughs> Oh, but yeah. What, Hi, I'm Daenerys. I have a dragon. Oh, sweet. Can you be our queen, please? Dragons are yeah. well mint. <laughs> exactly. Let, let the mother of dragons came, uh, take over. She won't last long. Winter is coming, and dressed the way she does, she'll freeze to death. <laughs> <laughs> That's some frostbite you got there. Uh, um, anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> Immortal Iron Fist. (laughs) No. I I have a question for you guys. The the, the plane crashes in the mountains. The monks go, ah, fuck it. Yeah. I have (laughs) have a question for you guys. Um, Just going back to Lock and Key, right? Since the Netflix TV series is... Since it's making changes and introducing new keys, like the mirror key... um, what sort of key would you like to see if there is a season two? Retcon key. <laughs> just, just start again. Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, there's now two demons. There's not just Dodge by the end of it. Yeah, there's also, like, one of the Scooby gang, Eden, who, again, I feel like it's kind of a bum deal throughout this show. Oh, yeah. Because um... I know she's supposed to be, like, the stereotypical, oh, mean, cheerleady type. Yeah, yeah she, she's supposed to be the Cordelia character, isn't she? Yes. Yeah, but I feel like the main bad thing she just does is tell Scott, nah, your movie's dumb, I don't want to be in it anymore. And his movie is pretty dumb. Yeah, I mean, it's not like she's saying anything that none of us agree, uh, disagreed with. Yeah, and like for that, she gets like horribly mind-controlled, attacked by a fear demon, and then turned into like a spooky demon monster lady. Yeah. And the right, this is a spoiler from the comics. Are, are you okay with me doing this, Andrew? Um, yeah, I mean, the comic series came out like over a decade ago. I think we're okay, spoiler wise. Okay, well, I, com- I haven't read it yet. Well, maybe you should have. I'm well, going with it anyway, right? See, I'll, then, have, for- I'll have forgotten by the time I read it. Anyway. Uh, exactly. Yeah, this is true. I'm going with it anyway. There is actually an alpha key. That, uh, was it Tyler makes it? Yeah, yeah, right at the end to get demons out of people. Yeah, the problem is it kind of kills the demon and the person. It does, which is a bit of a bummer. Yeah. So there is eventually... It turns out turning a demon to iron, not too good for a person's insidey bits. Yes. Like saying you have a heart of iron is no longer a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure it ever was. (laughs) Uh... Anyway, I think there were some good bits. Yes. Which I'd like, you know, in the fairness of balance, we should also mention. Well, I mean... So, uh, one bit I really liked was just a little scene where um, Dodge gets the match key. Yeah. And, like, it's some 
punk kid who stole it because like was one of Vendor's friends who took it and ran off with it. Basically, he dies and punk kid finds it. And then Dodger says, hey, kid, if you show me that key, I'll show you something cool. And like uses the anywhere key to unlock a random door into a train station, grabs the kid, takes the key, pushes him through in front of a train. Yeah. Like that was that was like probably the first good like villain bit for her, I thought. Yeah. And there were far few really good villain bits. One of the things I really liked about this version of Lock and Key was the sets. The sets were amazing. I mean, oh yeah, the, the set, like especially the uh, the key house. Yeah, the key uh, house. And to be fair, the the cinematography is pretty good as well. Yeah, when you have like the mind key, the head key, whatever, is it the mind key or the head key? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it's definitely the head key. Yeah, and just uh, the depictions of the head key. They didn't do the giant key in this. They replaced. No, it I think else. yeah, there's definitely like a few keys. That aren't there, and I kind of understand just from a yeah. CGI perspective, you probably can't do those. But I mean, the head key, I, I love the depictions that came from the head key. And I thought with the introduction of the mirror key, that introduced some interesting possibilities on that one as well. The shadow key, though, that's the one that bugs me. Because I like the idea of using the shadows and that, but they just seemed a bit clunky. Yeah, I, I feel like. Yeah, there were kind of a few scenes where it's very, like, typical horror. Ooh, I'm the scary monster who's going to get you. I'm going to get you. I've almost got you. I'm going to still get you. Ooh, now you found a flashlight and now I'm Yeah, it's... <sighs> yeah, I do. I do like that they, they did change, like, at least a little bit. Probably my least favourite, well, not even least, like, just a thing I really don't like in the first volume of Lock and Key, which is the idea that, like, Sam Lesser manages to escape from prison just like with a mirror and some scissors. Like he suddenly goes from just some random kid to MacGyver. Like, yeah, like evil MacGyver. <laughs> and I like in this, it was just like, no, Dodge just like gives him the match key that he can use to burn the prison down. Yeah. Hmm. And I did, I did like that they kept one of my favorite things in the series as well, which is the idea that adults like just can't comprehend the keys. Yeah, that was one of the bits where I thought uh, it really worked, especially with... Um, oh, I've forgotten the mum's name. Damn it. Nina. Nina. Especially with Nina only realising that she can remember the magic bits when she's drunk. Yeah, which is a, a nice bit of kind of dramatic irony. Yeah. And I mean, I, don't know, I thought just that whole bit with her, like, trying to use the, um, the repair cabinet... Mm. to repair Rendell's ashes. Yeah. But I thought that was, like, one of the moments where the emotional beats, like, did hit really well. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Ashmore is in this as well. Yes. Yes, he is. Which, which, I mean, it's weird. Like, he's probably the biggest name actor in this, and he barely shows up. I know. It's it's almost like those... Um, I, haven't, I haven't seen a guest... Uh name like that in something since Peter Capaldi turned up in class in the first episode and then never again. Well, there is uh, actually a surprising cameo in this. You remember the paramedic? I think it's uh, episode five or six. Mm -hmm. That's Joe Hill. Ah. And I think uh, Tom Savini is uh, in this as well. Yes. I like that fun because like 
Scott's movie group is the Savini squad. Yeah. And like immediately after meeting them, Kinsey goes to a hardware store and the guy working there is Tom Savini. Yep. That, that was a fun cameo. But yeah, um, I don't know how what to think about Lock and Key. It's always had this immense potential. It never really needed a lot of things changing. Okay, some things you could you could change because it's a TV show, because it's live action and stuff like that. But you don't really need to change a lot of things from the original material, do you? Yeah, I would say the problem is that it's too in-between. Like, either they should have followed just the storyline of the comics more closely, or I just had the freedom to say, we're going to spin things off more in our own direction. Yeah. I think like if you could actually have had like more sort of one-off things of Dodge just like setting up plans and the lock kids have to like work together to stop them. Yeah. Then you can still like have the same like broad structure as the comics. Yes. Absolutely. I think the problem is that they've tried to take something that is a remarkably and surprisingly pure horror story. Right, and tried to make it accessible for everybody, for as wide an audience as possible. It's like taking Babadook and making it the teenage version of Bob- Babadook, the PG thirteen version of it. The the Dabaduk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we definitely need to start our own production company now. <laughs> Anyway, we do have one more vital thing we have to do. Ranking. Indeed. We have a list of one to seven of the best uh, comic book adaptations. And by comic book adaptation, I mean DC. Do you know all the stuff we've done so far has been DC stuff? This is like the first non-DC thing. Yep. So, well, that's because Marvel had a big, big year last year, but Behold has only just started this year, so... Remind us again what's on the list. In at number seven, it's Titan Season 2. At six, Birds of Prey, the 2002 TV series. At five, Season 1 of Titans. At four, Harley Quinn, the uh, DC animated cartoon. At three, the Birds of Prey movie. At two, the Arrowverse Crisis on Infinite Earths. And at number one, the Watchmen TV miniseries. Um, I'd say number six for Lock and Key. I'd put it at six. Mm. After Titan season one. I think I'd put it above season one of Titans because it's a bit more cohesive than season one of Titans. I've got the advantage of watching it not having seen the, uh, not having read the graphic novels. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah, it holds together well as a series, whereas Titans Season 1 jumped around a little bit. Yeah. And it is gorgeously shot. It's a lot more gorgeous. There is that, yeah. It felt cinematic. Those first few episodes where they were introducing Matheson and all the rest of it felt cinematic, whereas Titans Season 1 felt like a TV show. Fair points to me. Yeah, Titans Season 1 definitely had that thing. Well, a lot of the scenes felt like someone just left the lens cap on a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And those are very fair points, actually. Andrew, oh, you have the deciding Nick. vote. But there's actually knowing about movies and TVs and things. Yeah, but you have <laughs> the deciding vote, Andrew. Man, it's 
yeah, I feel like I'm willing to go with Mick on this one. Because I think you and I, Rob, our judgments are somewhat clouded. And like, as big fans of the comics, we had quite high standards for it. Yes, I will agree with you totally on that. Um, we we have high standards for it because we're big fans of the source material. Yeah, so in at number five, it's Lock and Key Season 1. Or as Yay. it's been, Lock and Key S exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they haven't actually announced Season 2 yet, so... No, but they've done massive kind of cliffhanger foreshadowing for season two by having two demons well two demons meeting a diner while one of them gorges itself on food which yeah. i thought that yeah, was... if you think that that can stop netflix you let me introduce you to a little show called santa clarita diet yeah netflix you hurt me sometimes it's true i too mourn the loss of santa clarita diet yeah instead of that we got more seasons of the good place yeah. Not anymore, though. Uh, true, true, true. <laughs> Very true. Anyway, I think uh, that's probably it from us for this week. Yes, it is. So, if you want to listen to more, you can find us on thegeekshow.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find other great Geek Show shows like our Comics Review Podcast 4 panel or Cinema Eclectica. Mix on that one. Oh. Well, I was going to say... They discuss the latest cinema and home releases, but it's more now they discuss the, the latest home releases. All fluff they found in their belly button. Yep. Indeed, it is. It's, it's, it's probably a bit of a tough time to be a cinema-based podcast, but <laughs> you, you guys seem to be managing. <laughs> uh. And if, if you do like listening to what we do and you'd like to help support the show, uh, maybe consider donating to our Patreon for as little as $1 a month. That money will help us cover hosting costs and just let us continue doing this thing that we, I think it's safe to say we love doing. No, no, yeah. please don't, no, don't rush to agree that quickly. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. We can sound more enthusiastic in the edit. I just, I just didn't want to disturb your flaw. <laughs> it sounded like you had everything under control. And that in itself is a novelty. It certainly is. <laughs> But anyway, until next time, I've been Andrew. I've been Rob. And I've been Mick. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening.